for this morning. Thank you so much. Great singing. Praise God. Well, we're in Hebrews, if you want to turn to your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 10, um, verse 19 through 23 this morning. We added a verse. The Hebrew writer is doing um, his or her best. We don't know who wrote the, um, this book. Many people think Paul might have written it, or James may be even possible, um, or somebody else. Um, many think that a, a woman wrote it because it has a woman's touch to it. And I always tend to go that way too, so you always hear me say, uh, the Hebrew writer, she uh, wants to explain to us in this chapter 10, in these verses, she has, she has taken all, all of these nine chapters of Hebrews to tell the, the first generation Jewish Christians that God is, and his gift of Jesus Christ is much more superior than the law ever could be. She makes that point to them 2,000 years ago and to us today. And literally, she makes the point that, as, as I've said last week, that um, um, we are as close to God as we want to be. Did you hear that? And that's who she's writing to, people who are as close to God as they want to be 2,000 years ago, and it stays with us today. If we're close to God, it's because we want to be there. If we're not close to God, it's because we don't care to be there. And she writes um, this letter, the Hebrew writer writes this letter and says, I want you to know that we have an excellent thing to do. And she explains it here in chapter 10, verse 19. Let's look at these um, verses just real quick, okay? Um, I'll read it from the wall, I guess. Um, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now, see, that's what she's saying to us right away, that, that we couldn't go in to see Jesus before. There was no way. Once a year, one priest could go in. But now that curtain has been torn down by God's gift. See, just, she says, therefore. And whenever you see therefore, you should always ask the question, what's that therefore, therefore? She's going back and saying, therefore, because of that, um, go back um, um, by this new and living way that he opened for us through that curtain that is through his flesh and since we have a great priest now over the house of God let us here's, here's our first duty as a disciple of Christ let us draw near with a heart and full assurance a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And now she gives us a second thing. She says, our second duty is let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. My friends, this is the word of God for all of his people. Thanks be to God. I want to share with you today just our second duty as a disciple of Christ, I think. And she gives us, um, I think, four or five of them here. And we're going to spend this month looking at them. And um, she, is, she is certain to say to us that um, we can get close to God, which we couldn't get close to God by the law. The law didn't do anything but tell you how far away from God you were. Okay? That's all the law did. The law wanted to make sure you knew that you weren't right. 
Now, she says, because we have this great high priest, that we can walk right into his presence and talk with him and share with him, but it takes something on our part. It takes a, a, a part of us, this thing called faith, that we need to grab a hold of. Need to grab a hold of. Uh, it's, it's a powerful thought. If you listen to it, she says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for it is he who promised is for he who promised is faithful. Here's the second duty. We need to be as stubborn in our commitment to God as we can be. Hi, Declan. Isn't that great? I love it. I love it, gosh. Listen to it again. Our second duty, if you listen to this, when she says, let us hold, hold, and the King James says, let us hold fast. Let us hold, let us hold. She's saying we need to be stubborn in our commitment to our hope in God. When she says, let us hold unswervingly, um, um, however, whatever verse you have that, that has that there. It, let, let, me, let me share it with you. It's in the present pluperfect tense in, in the Koinonia Greek language. And it's like um, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, where Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. This is the same thing. We're to hold on, hold on to our, our faith, our trust, our hope in God, and never let it, we, it's a continuous thing. We need to hold on, hold on, hold on. And never, never stops that we need to never not hold on. You get that? It's um, Revelation 21, verse 3. Jesus says, I'm standing at your heart's door, and I'm knocking, and I'm never going to quit till you open up so I can come in and have dinner with you. In other words, until you accept me as your Savior. Amen? He's going to keep knocking. He's going to keep pounding on the door. That's what the Hebrew writer is saying. Hold on to your faith and keep holding on to it. No matter what's going on in your life, keep holding on to what God has, has um, given you, that, that faith. It's a, it's, a, it's a stubborn determinedness. It's a stubborn commitment. My dad was one of the first, uh, I like this. My dad was one of the first, um, wasn't the first, but one of the first generations of, of um, open heart surgery in Cleveland Clinic back in 1963. Can you imagine back then? And he had a big old scar that wide going down, you know, it never healed up. But um, they told him he would never go back. He was, uh, he was um, 39. They told him he'd never go back to work and he'd only live five more years. So he went back to work and worked 15 more years and, and, and uh, worked there 15 more years and lived 26 more years. And the doctors was always saying, we can't understand how it's come you're doing so good. And he said, well, that's because I'm a stubborn Irishman. And that's what we're talking about here. He's, he's, this Hebrew writer is telling us that we need to hang on for dear life to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, no matter what's going on around us. Why? Why does she is so emphatic, I ask the question, that um, we have to hold on and continue to hold on, never let go? Why do we hang on like that, um, to that hope that we have in, in our faith that we profess? And I think it's simple, friends. It's because there will be days in our lives when that hope seems to be gone. We've experienced that, haven't we? If you haven't experienced that in your life, come and I'll give you somebody's hope that you can help them feel that way. Um, there's days, uh, perhaps even seasons, 
perhaps even seasons. I had a group of pastors I met with for over 10 years, and, and we had a, a good and joyful time of us. There were six of us, and we, we were very close, and we met every month. And, and finally, at one of the meetings, um, we'd always eat, ask each other, what do we want to pray for each other at the end of, this, end of our time together? And um, this pastor friend of ours said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dry. I'm on a desert. I've been here for a year. I haven't prayed for over a year. And he said, I need some help. He said, I'm in a, in a dry and weary land. My friends, all of us go through it. And we need to, I'm glad that he hung around, aren't you? We will have those days when we really, we don't feel like we've even got a relationship with God, let alone being saved. There'll be those days when we just don't feel God's presence in our life. There'll be those days when, when and uh, too often, when it just doesn't seem like he's, he's listening to us or hearing what we have to say. And during those days, that's when we need to be the most stubborn. Stubborn in our faith and seek God more than ever. Um, and I think... Um, Satan and the principalities of this world play a terrible game with us by, by telling us that, uh, see, God's not really there um, because if you don't feel him, then he's not present. And the problem of that is, is um, as you know, and I've told you so many times, our feelings don't run the engine. Our feelings is the caboose. You know, that's not, putting, that's not even pushing us. It's just hanging there. And our feelings make us feel like that sometimes God just doesn't care. That God is not there at those times when we desperately need him because we don't feel him. We don't feel him with us and, and life gets um, depressing and, and upset. And we, walk, we get farther and farther away from God. And the Hebrew writer says, no, stay close to him at those times right there. The point I'm trying to say is, she's saying this because sometimes we have those feelings. I don't care who you are. Um, I think Billy Graham had those feelings, and he shared them several times with us. Dwight L. Moody shared them when he felt that, the, that he was nowhere around when God was, where God wanted him to be, and he couldn't sense God. Um, Henry Nouwen, the great um, uh, monk at the Genesee of the Abbey, said he felt... His loneliness, most lonely time, was, was at the abbey when he was supposed to be close to God and he felt like he was so far away from him. When all this happens, when all this happens, we need to remember it's not about our, our feelings. It's about our faithfulness. And that's what the Hebrew writer has been talking about, how we put our faith in a God who is much more superior, much more powerful than anything in this world, much more graceful than we can ever imagine. It's all about, it's all about surrendering our feelings and say, okay, God, it doesn't matter whether I feel you or not. I know, I know that you are here with me. Oh, gosh. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, well, let me go on a little bunny trail here. We've got time. Um, even when we come to worship, you know, when we come to worship, um, 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 we come to worship and we walk out of worship sometimes. Well, even, even walking into worship, I've heard some of the craziest things. 
people walk into worship and, and they say, boy, I hope we don't sing songs with all four verses in them today. You know what I mean? Because after that third verse, I just don't feel it. Um, uh, people walk into churches and they say, boy, I wish they had turned that he down. And then the next time they come in, oh, I wish they had turned that air on. I hope somebody made coffee. And all those things, you know. I hope the praise band doesn't go on and on and on. But they never say that about the pastor. I hope that he doesn't go on. <laughs> uh, shoot. But what I guess I'm getting at is when people walk out of church, when people walk out of church, they literally, I've heard this so many times, um, they walk out of church and their first comment, their first thought, they're sitting around, well, you know, I just didn't get anything out of worship today. Now, I'm telling you, it ha- I could buy a boat. If I, if I had all those people that said that, I could buy a boat on, on Lake Erie. And, and, um, and uh, uh, we could go fishing. You see, because we didn't feel anything. We come to worship expecting us to feel something. And by golly, we do, don't we? We do. 80% of the time we feel good about everything going on. Not just in worship, but in our lives we can feel God's presence. 80% of the time we should, feel, we should be expecting. Extremely elated at that. But 20% of the time we don't feel it. And we walk out of the sanctuary thinking, I didn't feel anything there. It was a waste of time. Man, I'm telling you, if they're going to sing all those songs, I'm not coming back. If they're doing this or if they're doing that, the praise team. If Jackie doesn't play a better song, I'm not. <laughs> we never say that, Jackie. I'm just not coming back, Okay. My friends, with every aspect of this, whether in our daily walk, wherever we're at, being as close to God as we want to be causes us to say, I didn't get anything out of that. When the whole reality is, is we're not supposed to get anything out of it. But we do because of God's grace. What we are supposed to do when we walk in that door back there, we are supposed to to say, okay, God, I have come to worship you. You see, it's not what we get. It's not what we get when we come here. It's what we give. We come to give God honor and praise and glory for what he's done for us all this past week. We gather once a week to do that, to tell him thanks and to honor him and to praise him. And, and, and if we walk in that way, I think what happens is it goes up to 90% that we feel good. Because we've come to do what we're supposed to do. When we do that in our lives every day, every aspect of our lives is to be God's servant, to be that person that knows no matter what I'm going through, God is with me. God is present. God is there. He's on top of me. He's on my side. He's on my side. It's, it's not, my friends, about us feeling good. It's about us coming to surrender ourselves to God. And in turn, what happens when we seek to be a blessing? You know what happens? Ask the youth from this mission trip. They get blessed. Amen? 
You get what I'm saying? You come in this door to uh, honor God and praise him and thank him uh, and get away from saying, okay, God, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to just get so excited because it's going to be so good. And then there's that baby. One time a parent said to me, they said, I'm sorry my baby acted up and everybody was upset around me. I said, don't ever be sorry, honey. You keep that kid here. Don't take, her, don't take that little girl out of here. We need that little girl, don't we? We need that little boy. Amen? We need about four more of them or five more. I guess the Hebrew writer is commending to us the simple truth that we won't always feel good. We won't always feel good, but no matter what happens, if you listen to this verse, no matter what happens, God is faithful. Listen to what she said. We need to remember this, I think, um, that he who made the promise is faithful. In other words, she is saying, no matter what you're going through, it does not matter. God is faithful. God is faithful. He's going to be there with you, even when you can't see him. Even when you get through the whole realm of the, the desert, you look back and you can see where God was at. That's good. But he wants you to know in the desert that you're with him, that he's with you, that he is faithful. We get it in the Old Testament so much. Um, and, um, and here... God say to us that very thing. Listen to it. The Israelites marched around Jericho for seven days. And then they watched its walls fall down like dominoes, huh? Why? Why? Because God is faithful. And the battles that we face are not ours but the Lord's. I had a dear friend, uh, Phyllis and I have this whole family. I don't know where they're at now, but it was a long, long time ago. They were the Hill family. There was um, six or seven kids in this whole family, and they all played an instrument, and they sang, and they went around the different churches singing. And uh, one time, the Hill family was telling the story about how they found out in Wellsville, Ohio, that their, their house had termites really bad. And so they decided that they would walk around their house for seven days in a row. Yeah, seven days in a row. They would walk around their house and pray that God would heal their house and the termites would leave. Now, the first day they walked around, not too many people was looking out their window because they were running, walking around making all kinds of noise. The seventh day, um, they blew horns. <laughs> you have to read the Jericho story to understand that. <laughs> but they were walking around, you know, and by the sixth day, people were out on the porch watching them, wondering what in the world they're doing. No, no but the termites left. They didn't have to spray for them. They were gone. God is faithful. You do crazy things, he'll, he'll watch you. I, I, remember, I remember the widow in uh, uh, Zephyrathah um, that prepared uh, all, of, all of the food that she had in her house. She prepared it for Elijah and said, this is all I have. We have no more. But I want you to know God is faithful. Because that oil jar she had and that... That um, bread that she had kept multiplying every day. And as long as Elijah was there, they had plenty to eat for the village. Corey Ten Boom tells a story, doesn't she, about God's faithfulness. When she had that little vow of medicine, she brought snuck into the prison camp for her sister. And then pretty soon she was giving the whole whole group of people in that that place where she was at a, a droplet of this oil, this elixir. And she had nothing ever ran out. 
Remember the story in, in The Hiding Place? If you didn't read it, you should do it. Two million people, trapped Israelites, walked on a carpet of dry land. On both sides of them was a wall of water from that Red Sea. And they found out that God is faithful. When, when we're cornered and our back is against the wall, God is there. And I think in the mess that we're in, in the United Methodist Church and God's church as a whole today, we need, to, we need to understand and believe that God is there. Amen? No matter what goes on, God is still on the throne. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The three Hebrew boys were shielded from that hot fire in Nebuchadnezzar's furnace. And they found out that God is faithful even in the face of death. I was standing over at York Cemetery one spring day. It was misting ice, and it was just an ugly day, and I was standing there with a young man named Howard. It was on a Thursday. We had buried his son, his oldest son, a month before. On the same week on Tuesday, we buried his daughter, and on Thursday, we buried his middle son. Three kids in a little less than a month's time. And I looked at Howard, and ice was falling off of his nose, and it was just an ugly day. And I said, Howard, how are you getting through this? And he looked at me without any, any hesitation. And he said, it's my trust in God. He will get me through this. Amen? Even in the face of death, when we think God is not there, he is there. I want to tell you, friends, when your problems veil your way, God is faithful to lead you on, on your path. He's faithful. When those that we look for help are unreliable and, and uh, literally break their promises and become um, problems instead of helpers, and we become broken like a jar, God is faithful to meet all of our needs. He's not left us. When these trials overwhelm us beyond our understanding, I want you to know God is faithful to strengthen us in these times. Listen to this. When rejected by those that you once felt were your friends, God is faithful. God is faithful, and he stands at our side, and he keeps, if you listen to this, this, Hebrew, or this, yeah, this Hebrew writer, she says, he will stand by you because he has promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. My friends, you and I need to hear that today, that God is faithful beyond our understanding. Don't make, <laughs> I think the Hebrew writer, if she was standing here today, would say to us, or he, whoever it is, would say, don't make your Christian life about feelings. Make it about your belief in God. Be stubborn in your commitment. Literally, be as stubborn as you can be so that you can draw closer to God. So I added just a little bit to our prayer this week. Every morning when you get up, you want to write this down if you, if you can or listen to it and get it back. Every morning when you get up, the first thing that should come out of your mouth is, is this, stubbornly, Lord God, stubbornly, I want to come into your presence Simply because 
I want more of you in my life this day. Did you get it? Stubbornly, Lord God, I come into your presence simply because I want more of you in my life today. Amen? Let's pray. God, thanks for reminding us that we're only as close to you as we want to be. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear you say that to us every day and that we would decide that we're not close enough and that we'd do everything we can to get closer to you every day. I pray that that would become our desire in our heart, the thing that we want most in this life. Because then and only then will we understand how much you really, really care for us and how much you really say to us and mean it. You're welcome here, and I'm not ever going to leave you. Help us to find you in our hearts today, Lord. All of these things are, are premised on the fact that we know you as our Savior. And if we don't, help us to invite you in. Help us to answer the door and let you into our heart and into our lives. Lord, we just thank you today for your love and grace in our lives. And we pray this in your son's name today. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.